It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 58 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. I was talking with Steven Spielberg the other day and he was begging me. Yeah, he was just begging me for a take on Goonies. Since I turned him down the last time he asked me for a favor, and that was actually to be an executive producer on Jurassic World, which I turned down. I had other things going on. I figured I would be a player this time and just drop him that favor and be nice. You know, you just have to do that sometimes for Steven Spielberg, as I call him Steven. (laughs) Steve. Stevie. Stevie baby. Scott, wake up. (laughs) 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 You know, you, you really do... You know, with these Hollywood types, you really do have to watch their feelings. So anyways, I told them I'd be happy to do so. And if you are up for it out there in the listening audience for some additional pirate theme breakdown, I'm pulling a double shift this week and hanging out with Chris and Brady at Goonies Minute. So pop on over and check that out this week. So I do appreciate the invitation from Chris and Brady, but I also really appreciate that Stevie came and talked to me. (laughs) Steve. Came and talked to me about doing that because he really did say, you know, it'd really be good to have your pirate insight on this. And so I thought, Uh okay, I'm going to do it. Oh, where am I? Yeah. (laughs) In the previous minute. you could wake up and join us again. (laughs) In the the real world? Yeah. (laughs) In the previous minute, Captain Barbosa finally gives us the pleasure of telling us a bit about the curse. Dang it, Barbosa, you dirty, filthy bilge rat. We've been sitting here for 57 freaking minutes, and you finally decide to share a little information on this crazy curse. So thanks for throwing us a bone. Pun intended. We discover the mystical pirate medallion is none other than the Aztec gold. One of 882 identical pieces the Aztec delivered in a stone chest to Cortez himself that bestows upon any mortal that removes but a single piece that they will be punished for eternity. And that's exactly what Barbosa and the crew of the Black Pearl did. However, this tale didn't quite have the ring of truth as Elizabeth says she hardly believes in ghost stories. Minute 58 begins with Captain Barbosa crouching near Elizabeth Swan and says, There be the chest, inside be the gold, and we took them all. We spent them and traded them and frittered them away. The minute ends with Captain Barbosa petting his monkey. Ah! No, hold on. I knew you were going there. That's not a euphemism. He really was petting his monkey. There's a freaking monkey on a perch. He's petting it. Blame the writers oh and the God. director. They're the ones who set me up with this. 
<laughs> and while he's distracted, Elizabeth tucks a knife from the table and brings it quietly to her side. Barbosa tells her there is only one way they can end the curse as his monkey plays with the medallion. And that's also not a euphemism. He literally is playing with that medallion. What do you want me to say? It's a minute breakdown. These are facts. This is straight up descriptive facts. I haven't wordsmithed this at all or played with the words at all. This is straight from it. Get your mind out of the gutter, woman. So the curse. I mean, we're finally here. We don't get all the good stuff. And there's, I know I've been teasing this for, I don't know how many minutes, but I'm actually bumping. I really wanted to talk about it here, but I'm going to bump some of the kind of controversy about the curse to the next minute when we actually see some stuff. What? Potentially. Yeah, I may have looked at the other minute, but I'm going to just let that go. And we'll talk about some of those things coming up and then we can have all that discussion online if need be, what everybody thinks. And I might have to revisit the Pirates of the Caribbean Wikia because I saw some discrepancies there. Let's just settle this once and for all about the curse. And we'll get into that tomorrow. So we'll just end the show now and then everybody can come back tomorrow. And then we can just finally get this going. <laughs> yeah. So I see with Barbosa's speech, this kind of explains why he had that orgasmic reaction to Elizabeth eating the food. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Now we see why he was really so long, looking longingly at her while she's eating yes. and living vicariously through her while she was eating. It had nothing to do with her. No. He just wanted a, the woman in the dress. It's all nice. But really what he was focused on was a food. I just want somebody in here who's going to enjoy the food. Yeah. I'm surprised there haven't been just like a every place that they've been that they've taken somebody from the ship that they've attacked or from the town that they've attacked and just said, would come you and just eat. yeah? Would you just come and eat? <laughs> and like you were at saying yesterday, how come not everybody's in there? Wouldn't everybody want to see this? Yeah. So according to your theory, and not your, my theory. Your factoid, it was my fact I found. Shouldn't everybody be dining in there with the captain? Well, not dining, but looking at Elizabeth dining. They wanted to see her naked, though. That they did. <laughs> That's part of the curse, though, because they're not satisfied by any of that. No. Because what we find is that drink would not satisfy their thirst, food turns to ash in their mouths, nothing would slake their lust, and their actions that were once compelled by greed are now consumed with by the it. curse. Yeah, consumed by it. But there is a way to end the curse. Yeah, but we don't find out yet because no. we get cut off. No, we don't find out how, but we find out that there is yeah, a way. Yeah, there is a way, but we, we don't actually hear what that way is. Correct. That's right. It's right before that, and that's what's interesting. And it's a question for you. Why does the monkey get so excited when Barbosa says they are now consumed by greed? Do you see that? When he says that, that monkey starts jumping up and down on the perch. He's excited about this. He likes being greedy. I think so. I mean, he starts jumping around on this perch like, I'm really excited about this gold medallion. We're consumed by greed. This is all what I'm thinking about. Well, look at He keeps taking it and he's like holding it really closely. I know. And... It even affects the monkey. <laughs> it's not just a people thing. The monkey. No, the monkey's taking it and holding it real close. I and know. Didn't he bite on it at one point I time? wonder. We don't know yet. I wonder why the monkey is so enthralled with this. But I do actually have a thought on this. Okay. Besides that this is one greedy little monkey. <laughs> Maybe the monkey is the one who's actually Aren't pulling the strings here. <laughs> That's true. I think you're talking about men, you jerk. But maybe the monkey is the one pulling the strings here. He's the master. 
He's the organ grinder. It's the turning everything on its head. We've already seen light and dark. The monkey is the one that's grinding away on the... You know what an organ grinder I is? I do. You know, you've, the only place you've probably seen Grinds is cartoons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's turning the handle and it's playing the music. And then the instead of the monkey, it's Barbosa and his crew are doing his bidding or doing the little jig. So yes, this is another crazy Scott Pirates of the Caribbean theory. But maybe the monkey is really the captain. Maybe. He's the admiral. And I've actually seen an organ grinder at an amusement park. Wow. With a monkey attached to it? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. I didn't... Well, we're not getting into animal stuff here, but... Besides the humane stuff, but wow, that's pretty cool. Well, there was a monkey there. I don't think it was attached. Com- I mean, he was with somebody, well, but... I mean, it's not like he was you know, sewn to the organ, but I just don't really think that... It, it just seems odd that you see that these days. Yeah. Huh. What do you know? Arr! Okay, let's move on. <laughs> so the monkey is the captain of the ship. That's what my potential theory is. Oh. I haven't worked it all out yet. I come up with a lot of theories about these kinds he's of things. He's the ringleader. That's right. He's the... Yeah, makes sense. He's the one that you'd least expect. And he's <laughs> the one who's pulling the strings. Turns everything upside down. <laughs> I hear from what Elizabeth says, or I shouldn't say Elizabeth, Kira Knightley says... He causes a lot of issues with the recording of the movie. That's because in reality, he really was in charge. <laughs> They're telling me to do what? I'm going to do whatever I want. It took like four times longer when they when he was actually on set. Either that or they to get the monkey to actually act in the movie and to do what he was supposed to do to a point. They're like, no, you read the script wrong. You're actually the captain here. <laughs> You're the secret captain. And he's like, he's like, yes, I am. I'm the secret <laughs> yeah. captain. So he's all happy to be the captain in this movie and not just a sidekick. Yeah. And that's why he has his perch in this ornate room in this cabin mm-hmm. with all this food around and the apples and things. He's, you know, they, they sold him on the idea that he's the captain. He's the captain. Yep. I like the way you're going. Yeah. So the monkey's in charge. Since we're mostly going to talk about the curse maybe in the next minute or so. And all the details on that. If you heard that, that was Banjo. He's in the studio today and he just squeaked. He got squeaky. He heard that the monkey was captain and he's like, why the hell am I not on the radio? I'm in charge here. And so he wanted to make us know that. So we'll just kind of skip. As I said, again, I'm just rehashing what I just said, which doesn't make any sense. But let's move on. So the writers wanted a movie where people tell stories and we're telling stories. It's not just about... Other stuff, but it was like stories about their lives, stories about their background, and even other characters. Well, this starts with Jack and his stories regarding the Black Pearl, and then the one, or no, um, Mulroy and Murtaugh. And then he starts talking about the, um, oh man, do you even know what you're talking about over there? <laughs> we'll have to cut that, but that was a very long <laughs> silence while I was getting the death stare, the <laughs> claw cat stare, a vicious, vicious woman. So, yeah. We have Mulroy Murtaugh talking about the Black Pearl. Yes. They go into this crazy story that I always like to say, but because Heather probably wants me secretly to say it, I'm not going to say it today. Oh, That's right. And then Jack telling Will about the Pearl. You know, so Jack is then telling Will about some of the stuff with the Pearl when he's in the jail cell. Yeah, but... You have before that. I wasn't done. And see, so you're trying to... St- cause you, well, you're you not pa- going in order. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of going backwards in order. And then you have Twig telling Jack about him being marooned on the island. Yeah. And, you know, kind of waving goodbye. Yeah. Oh, have fun out there. 
And then you have Jack saying, well, and then they made me their chief. Right. Which we didn't hear the full story, but we only caught the end. But he was telling that story to Mulroy Murtog on the HMS Interceptor. Right. And then Will is telling his life story to Jack. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Oh, so there you go. You did. You caught me. You. I forgot about uh-huh. that one. Uh-huh. I didn't like that one. I like the well, other one because it was too gushy. for Yeah, you. it was too gushy for me. <laughs> it goes to the same place as all the love. Yeah, I'm gonna make my own. And you fan didn't edit know version. his story though, right? That's true. Because we kind. really didn't know Will's story before that. No, because you're right. We didn't, we didn't know about his dad or his we mom. didn't know why he was just on that merchant ship by himself. Right. We didn't know anything about it. We were doing speculation on that in the earlier minutes. So right. yeah, we didn't have any of that information, that background. So we needed that. I guess. And now Barbosa is telling the story. Yeah, but his his story by far takes the oh, cake, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And he's just so, I can sit there and listen to him all day long. Yeah, I don't know what it is he, about him. Just the way he's talking and just the focus, I guess it's a focus on him is just, it's amazing. I find it just absolutely intriguing. Yeah, the writers were saying that this is, well, I mean, we all see it. This is really the big storytelling scene of the movie. Of all the other ones we mentioned, they're kind of minute and small. Right. This is really the big one here. And it was actually a three-page monologue on the script, and it was for Jeffrey Rush. And mind you, this was the first day of filming. This scene, this cabin scene, was the first one. So it wasn't that he came out and had a few lines. He came out with and had to start this whole film... With a three-page monologue on the first day of filming. Terry and Ted were also saying how they spent 20 to 30 hours with Rush revising his monologue to get it just right. And then what he could do to enhance it with like looks, stares, and even facial movements. And you see all of that through this particular movie. It's just incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really highly effective, I think, for a swashbuckler particularly. So we expect storytelling in swashbucklers because I think that they're steeped in books. Maybe not so much with other movies. I don't necessarily see that with other movies or get that feeling. Yeah. But when it's a swashbuckler, not just an action and adventure movie, but particularly with a swashbuckler. And I don't know if that's because they are kind of a somewhat historical thing that you think about them sometimes. Three Musketeers, these kinds of things that really are stories that have been, say, maybe passed down hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. Because you think of them as stories first, not necessarily movies. Right. And... Maybe that's why with swashbucklers, they have this special place and they can get away with some of the storytelling or you expect it and you want it in there. Right. And the word swashbuckler actually first described literary adventures. Huh. This whole idea that this is a literary adventure comes across in Pirates of the Caribbean with this colorful and detailed speech. You know, it's really Barbosa summing it up. This is a swashbuckler happening and right. he's telling us a story. It's almost like... You want him to read like the novelization of Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> in a pirate voice to you. Yeah. You want him to do that. If it's like the book on tape with Jeffrey Rush doing it. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, you could almost have it where he's sitting down telling the story like, Arr, I was on the Black Pearl, you know, and then he could just start off and tell you the whole story of Pirates of the Caribbean and it would just be awesome. Right. It'd be like, now that I really think about it, because I have to throw in another movie reference. Is you have Peter Falk in Princess Bride, and he's sitting down telling the story to Fred Savage uh-huh. or the boy. What I think it was just the boy is his name. I don't remember if he had a name in that movie. Anyways, it's not important. Barbosa is coming in to the sick kid in all his pirate regalia, and then reading 
Pirates of the Caribbean to the boy. Yeah. Or to the kid. Boy is a kid. Same thing. Right? Yes. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, yeah. Peter Falk did an outstanding job in that. He's oh, awesome yeah. as it is. And we've mentioned Peter Falk on here before on Princess Bride. But now having Barbosa reading it, and that would just be awesome. It would, actually. But you wanna, you'd want to look at him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Arr, stop staring at me, scallywag. In, in uh, Princess Bride, you, do, you only see Peter Falk in a few minutes here and there. But you'd want to look, I mean, the just the facial features, and it's just the way he... So you want to bring back the popularity of picture-in-picture televisions, where you could yeah, have actually. the movie going, and then you have a small square at the bo- bottom with Barbosa reading it yes. and, and commenting on it. Yeah. Okay. Picture-in-picture, it's coming back. That's Yeah. I and may put it. him on the big screen and the movie on the little screen. Well, of course. <laughs> Yeah, he nailed that. I, I don't know what it is. He nailed that whole scene and yeah. that whole speech. It just makes you... Elizabeth said in the previous one that she doesn't... You know, she hardly believes in ghost stories. But hearing that from him, you'd, you'd be believe. a believer out of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'd be like, damn right you got that curse. <laughs> I'm not even going to argue against it. <laughs> you could watch her, too. She's as enthralled with him as we are. Oh, I'm sure. You know, she's just like staring at him like... That wasn't even acting. And holding on to Every single word he's saying. That's because it wasn't acting. She's sitting there as a young yeah. actress, 17, going, my God, this guy. I want to be this talented. Yeah, this guy is awesome. No wonder. I, I'm sold. Well, I think she said in the commentary that she's glad he, it was him that reading these lines because she couldn't have been able to do it. Oh, I'm sure. Because It, it just... wouldn't have come across like that. Yeah, it, he, he just nailed it. Yeah. Jeffrey Rush, yeah. That's why That's why we love him as Barbosa. Oh, yeah. And speaking of Barbosa, yesterday you told us about his ring. And in this minute, we get a decent look at his necklace and even his earring. And unlike the symbolism you had with the ring, I didn't really find anything regarding his jewelry. You know, if they had like a meaning or any symbols. Yeah. There's like the lion and the king and being in charge. No, none of that here. He is wearing a silver snake pendant on a 26-inch long metal chain, which features four white crystals set in a square around a much larger shining red stone at the center of the piece. And then he has a silver earring with an attached fang of some unknown big carnivore in his right ear. Ooh. Yeah, if you look at it, you can see that there's yeah, a silver earring, and then that. there's like a fang that's, that's hanging down. That'd be kind of interesting, no background on that. You look like you're missing a fang, you clock at. Yeah. <laughs> For one thing, a claw cat? Oh, claw cat. I thought you said clock. <laughs> Didn't get it. Got clock it. would be in another pirate movie called Hook, and that's because <laughs> of the alligator thing. But that would be Captain Hook. I know you're confused here. No. We're in Pirates of the Caribbean. So it's kind of interesting, this fang. Kind of want to make up a story about it. Like it was on some island. And Actually, got we, we should have just yeah, we should have made up something about that. <laughs> Got attacked and he took down this lion of some sort. And yeah, possible, yeah. yeah, nothing yet. And I didn't see anything about that. Maybe it's in one of the books somewhere, but I did not find any information about what the fang was. I just thought it was curious that huh. he has that, that on his ear. Very curious. And his necklace is just huge. Yeah, it's a pretty good sized necklace. Yeah, that, that pendant on there is just, it's got to be three, four inches long, a couple inches wide. I don't know. It just looks huge. It just looks huge. That's because they kind of do a good... Well, they do a good shot. We even get a better shot of it, I think, later on. I'm going to buy you a replica. 
to, with that big old chain to, to go walking around. Yeah, maybe I'll wear that around. <laughs> People will ask me about it, and then I'll and then I'll get the earring with the fang, and then I'll say I wrestled a lion or something. There we go. There you go. Who's right? Great idea. We have some good music to bring up as well in this scene, and it's called the story of the medallion, actually, which is appropriate. Yes. So. We're not talking that this is like the soundtrack stuff that you find, say, at the soundtrack that you would buy. This is all the music of the movie. And so we have all those bits and pieces that come together. And sometimes they use parts from others and then they do segues and things into other things. So it's really cool to have the expanded part of the soundtrack where we can get these tidbits on what they're actually playing across the movie. Not just say what you would find at the popular soundtrack or scores in, you know, on the disc if you were to buy that. Or today, the MP3 and that kind of stuff. Or just downloaded and stolen from YouTube. <laughs> we don't condone that, by the way. Pirates of the Caribbean Minute does not condone the stealing of soundtracks and scores from YouTube. Wink, wink, nod, nod. <laughs> this track plays during Barbosa's story about the curse and the Aztec gold. And then also when something happens, maybe Elizabeth discovers the cursed pirates for the first time. It possibly in there leads up to that we'll have to find out you'll have to stay tuned till tomorrow and to the next minute to get that good stuff the track begins quietly which was what we hear and it builds into this creepy climax around 50 seconds in and then it leads to another strong climax about another minute and 30 or about a minute and 30 seconds into the total time and continues until the end of this particular track we heard this track at the beginning of minute 57 and then it kind of rolls into this minute that we're in now minute 58 and then it'll seg into the next track which is called moonlight serenade not sure if i'll end up mentioning it or not so i thought i wanted to throw that in so you'll hear moonlight serenade which becomes appropriate at that time for some reason maybe the moon's out maybe and we know what happens when the moon comes out that's right So we talked about the open flames and all these candles and we did it yesterday and then we did it on last week with all these open flames. I really hate to go back and do that, but we did touch on it again. And so I did want to have kind of closure to that, if you will. We needed some closure and we needed some answers, at least, you know, something that was more historically accurate than our own perceptions and our own common sense. And then we even talked about fire just on ships in general Mm -hmm. in some of the really early minutes when we first saw fire buckets on the Dauntless. And then we saw fire buckets again. And it was fear of fire and all that kind of good stuff. Since then, you know, we have wooden vessels here that are sealed with flammable tar and pitch. And then our super contributor, Adam, also slipped us a great article, actually a website, that even talks a bit more about this very idea and some of the cool preventative fire facts. Besides that common sense approach that we took from it and without really having a bunch of stuff lined up as far as evidence, although we did do some research on it to find, you know, with the fire buckets and all that kind of stuff. This whole idea of regulating flames on ships, which Heather actually hypothesized when she so eloquently said, what do you say again? My God, the candles. That's right. Yeah. It was my God, the candles. And (laughs) you suggested that. You know, these things should really be kind of enclosed lanterns, or maybe it was me. I don't, somebody said that they should be really enclosed. And that was pretty much the rule, actually, on ships, from what Mm. this article that Adam sent. And so, from the Pirate Empire by T.S. Rhodes, below decks, any light had to come from enclosed lanterns. So, pipe smoking was limited to the open deck and away from the powder magazines, of course. You didn't want that to happen. We talked about fire and powder magazines and the explosions that happened on that that was real as when we were way back in the early minutes talking about the merchant ship. And then there's the cool fact that I didn't expect at all, and I would have never guessed this, is that the floor and walls of the galley, you know, where a fire was actually required because you had to cook all this stuff. 
were actually or usually lined with tin, like a metal. Oh, because it was like a metal sheet. Fire. Yeah, so huh. you can do that to help prevent a spread of fire. Wow. So if something did happen, sense. you could help contain it as opposed to spreading throughout the ship. And right. And would do that, which is really cool. I didn't expect that at all. They probably made sure they had their fire extinguishers in the <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, pirates, they didn't keep up on the expiration dates on those and have them serviced annually or whatever it is. Yeah. So oftentimes they didn't work. You know, they would run to get their fire extinguisher and then they'd pull that trigger and it'd just be like... Just and nothing. Yeah. yeah. So that's why they finally yeah. said, we got to do something about this. The fire marshals aren't coming out to the ship to check it. And it was just a giant hassle. So let's put some tin in here. And that was pretty cool. Adam Liebrick Johnson, you know, our super contributors, we're now calling him our pirate correspondent of the week and month, whatever, <laughs> will be joining us as guests for minutes 66 and 67. And those are episodes that are going to be airing on April 14th and 17th. Next week, I'll really do a formal plug, but he's a great resource with tons of pirate knowledge and it'll make for a great show, I think. And because he had given us the past couple of shows some great tidbits and mm-hmm. things to share with everybody, I thought I would just start to do the plug now and let you know that... I won't have to relay some of this great stuff. You can actually hear it from him on the show yourself in minutes 66 and 67 coming up. So that should be nice. And it could probably be trusted more than that stuff that yeah, comes out of probably, our mouth. Yeah. <laughs> well, you anyways. Oh. I I say the gold. We all know you this. Are you are an expert. That's right. You, on the other hand, just perpetrate on the listener's lies like no tomorrow. And so he will actually bring facts and have the knowledge behind that. Whereas you don't. I do for the most part. Sometimes I like to just lie to the audience on purpose. It order seems me? Like. Yeah, order you. So like I said, next week I'll kind of do an official plug and let you know some of his affiliations and all that kind of good stuff. But for now, Adam will be joining us and that should be great fun. Yeah. He also has some really awesome connections that we hope leads to another guest and will fit nicely with our Pirates of the Caribbean talk as well. I haven't quite reached out to that person yet. Uh, just on the late show and on the ball. We want to get this Man. done. I know I'm always on the ball. But the reason I brought all of this up too off the ball, as I was saying, the reason I brought all of this up now as opposed to waiting next week is I'm thinking perhaps I should reach out to this T.S. Rhodes, this author that I got some of this information from about the fire and the galley that Adam sent because she might actually make a good guest as well when we, yeah. if we want to have that and do more guests. So something to think about. But as for the dining scene here and getting back to our film... The moral of the story, as we said last week and yesterday, is don't have a thousand candles on your ship. You're just asking for a fire problem. Yeah. I don't care if it's even lined with tin. Just having a wooden ship and a bunch of fire is not going to help with that. I suggest flashlights. (laughs) Flashlights. Yeah. See, that's where you're not thinking properly. Because where are they going to get the batteries at sea? You know, they just can't uh, roll up and get batteries no, all the time. they make those ones, you know, that you just the crank. The hand crank ones? <laughs> then they don't have to worry about That's the batteries. That's true. I'll recommend that to, you know, when I have a pirate stop me on the street next time, I'll say, you know, you should really, really think about getting a hand cranked yeah. and a gener- generating light yeah. battery powered flashlight. There you go. An electric stove. A hand crank flashlight. An uh, electric stove. Electric stove. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before we leave the cabin, we were talking about the hydraulics and everything, all the functioning of the of the yeah, ship. Yeah, the behind the and, scenes cabin scene here. Yeah, yeah and what, that it was actually in a new studio rather than you know That's a right. set on somewhere in the back lots. Not I, a, not an official like Disney studio yeah. set, but it was actually at like a news affiliate set. Yeah, Jerry Bruckheimer and Gore Verbinski 
wanted to use this massive tank that was in Baja, California, that was actually used for the Titanic and Pearl Harbor. Oh, wow. That's cool. But they were denied because Master and Commander actually had it booked to start filming The Far Side of the World. Oh, very cool. Master yeah. and Commander is one of my favorite movies as well. If you're... That's a real swashbuckler for myself. It's not a pirate movie, but no. it is a swashbuckler action period piece mm-hmm. that I really just love on the high. It's like a high seas military adventure, if you will. Right. And I love it. Actually, that is interesting that you brought up Master and Commander because I know we've been talking about that as well because it really is a favorite movie of ours. And it carries on a lot of the same themes or potentially allows us to expand on some of the work that we're doing here with Pirates of the Caribbean. And still kind of had that nautical maritime period work that would actually carry over and fit nicely with Pirates of the Caribbean. So we're actually kind of in the pre-development phase and getting everything set up to use Master and Commander in a minute-by-minute breakdown format that would actually come out as bonus episodes for everybody in, in kind of a Pirates of the Caribbean fashion, if you will. So as a bonus to this particular show here, but then also use that as extra shows and extra information and podcast for Master and Commander. And then that way it ties everything in. So everybody here that really likes Pirates of the Caribbean, it opens up that opportunity to expand into a different part of that whole lifestyle, that maritime lifestyle, that nautical lifestyle, but using actually the military as opposed to the pirate thing that actually is also not necessarily kind of this high seas adventure here that we have with the comedy aspect and maybe some supernatural stuff, but it's the high seas aspect more of a reality and fact-based movie and film, which actually should be a kind of a cool compliment to the stuff that we do here. And hopefully we'll bring some of the humor and things to that as we watch people getting blown to smithereens <laughs> with cannonballs, <laughs> brain surgeries on board, you know, all those cool, funny things that we love to laugh about when we watch a good master and commander movie. And yeah, maybe we can bring that there. He's back on the death and destruction. I got to end with that kind of stuff. <laughs> so look forward to something like that coming into the near future. We're getting all the pre-development and the setup going. And like I said, that could be some cool bonus shows that are going to be coming in a same minute-by-minute format around our same nautical theme. Along with scheduling out all of the movies for Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, because that's a good point, because this isn't just Curse of the Black Pearl minute. This is Pirates of the Caribbean films that are minute-by-minute breakdown. We will be continuing on with Curse of the Black Pearl, but we will be doing all the films in their release order thanks to Star Wars Minute. We're taking that inspiration from them and moving on when Curse of the Black Pearl is done and wraps up, and then we'll move on to Dead Man's Chest, At World's End, On Stranger Tides, then Dead Men Tell No Tales, and then whatever Disney releases after that, to be determined. So that is the whole grand plan with some cool bonus pirate bonus episodes in between seasons, between first and second season. And we're going to have a lot of fun. And then by some of those times that those things are rolling down, I really will be a pirate expert. Maybe not on the scale of our super listener, Adam, but I'll have grown immensely, like I said. Heather will still be her fun, normal self, just basking in, well, what is that old saying? What is that saying? Ignorance is bliss. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Walk the plank. Just think, we can bring the same good fun humor when we watch this guy get brain surgery on board. On a board of ship. 
Yeah, and Master and Commander. I mean, yeah. what kind of fun times are we going to have with that? <laughs> I don't know. Could be a whole different challenge, definitely. But it should be fun. And if that's something that everybody is, if, if you think that would be of interest in going there, just let us know. But we are kind of in a pre-development stage of that. So that'll be coming and we should probably make sure that we have all our ducks in a row and get ready for stuff to come along. So it should be really, really fun. And we'll obviously be here for the next 10 years doing all these Pirates of the Caribbean movies and then having the bonus episodes come out, like I said, with some of these other movies. So it will be some cool times and cool, fun pirate action and a lot more. Well, we'll see where things go and how it evolves, you know, because we haven't really done a lot of guests. Adam will be our first guest coming up. Mostly, I think that's probably been out of logistics for us because our schedules kind of move about and stuff. So recording is not always on a set thing. And so it's just easier for us to not have to always have somebody on the schedule that we have to adapt to or that we have to change things up because then we actually have to adhere to our set schedule. We're kind of like chaos. <laughs> that actually forces us to actually get on a set schedule. We'll, we'll be doing that. But it, it's fun to have potential guests on. They bring a lot of knowledge to it. And I think it helps make the show good because I can't do it all here and entertain and make sure I'm doing Heather's voice and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> And sneezing for Banjo. (laughs) Banjo didn't sneeze. Nobody heard that. (laughs) So that's all I have. And we probably went on way too long talking about nothing there. So we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 59 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy! Blimey! Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up! The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket! Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best-of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.